Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you, it's hip to be square. We have such sights to show you this week, when pleasure is pain, and pain is podcasting. Spooktober continues as we solve the puzzle and summon some Cenobites. It's Hellraiser on Normies Like Us. Welcome to hell. You broke the number one rule, yuck. Which do you find more exhilarating, Pain or the pleasure? This is where the shit hits the fan, guys. We have such sights to show you. You heard it up top. Get those chains ready. Lay that skin, put your pins in, and of course, get ready to solve that puzzle because we are talking the interdimensional hell based sex fest that is Hellraiser here on Normies Like Us with your hosts. Uh, I'm going to be the Colin configuration. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm, the, I'm the toy maker, Mike Shand, you know. <laughs> ah, and I am the Jacob Bite. Pinhead, oh. if you will. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> so we got know. Hellraiser Spooktacular Week 2, 2022. Wow. Uh, I'm glad you made it back um, from Texas unharmed. I know you went looking for help. Me and Colin kind of sorted that out last week, and now we're ready to raise some hell. And this is your uh, contribution to Spooktacular, or Spooktober, as that's it were. Right. Jacob, you opened yeah, the box, that's right. so to speak. I, I, I opened the box. I summoned the Someone does demons. And, <laughs> My uh, God. I was in search of new sensations, of course, <laughs> and uh, and here we are. But uh, yeah, I wanted to do the Hellraiser movies uh, because, you know, last year we did Halloween and I watched every Halloween entry, including all the bad sequels and everything, right? So this year I was like, I want to do that with another horror franchise and I want to do it with one. Yeah, new sensations. Um, so I was like, let's do Hellraiser. And I'd only ever really seen the first Hellraiser. So I was like, I'm interested in all these other sequels and stuff. And boy, that was possibly a mistake to undertake such a task. But well, yeah, uh, yeah, you picked wrong. Yeah, The <laughs> veritable Pandora's box was opened of new sensations. Uh, a lot more pain than pleasure, I'd say. But there's a lot to talk about. But at least this time it was uh, 11 movies instead of 13 for Halloween. So yeah, you know, yeah. a lot easier to do that trick. <laughs> relatively speaking. that's true but i'd only seen the first one as well um and maybe bits and pieces of the second one on tv but i only saw the first one like all the way through back in high school and it had been a long time uh, i was yeah. never really a franchise i knew a lot about but colin how about you then before we kind of no um in in the same way that my weird toby hooper was the other ones mike when we were talking texas chainsaw my mm-hmm. weird clive barker is nightbreed where i'm like Guys, Nightbreed, that's the fucking weird, you know, uh, sure. mutant uh, sex franchise that you got to go with. <laughs> this is uh, this is not my bag. We'll mm. talk about the ones I'd seen before. I definitely seen the first one. I don't mm. think my knowledge goes beyond that. And um, I have a take on this franchise that I'll be unloading oh, no. <laughs> as, as we uh, – open up a little more but uh jacob yeah. prior to this had you had you seen you said you'd only seen maybe the first one well, i've seen the first one like a couple times it seems but i saw it when i was a lot younger and didn't really understand it and i was just like you know what this guy has no skin or something what's going on <laughs> uh but um you know i wanted to watch all the sequels and just be a completionist of this franchise even though for this exercise i did watch most of them but i did stop after number 8 in the franchise hell world right uh, there's 
two more after that that even Doug Bradley was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Those were the straight uh, to DVD ones, right? Well, uh, Revelations first, and Judgment. Uh, yeah, well, that well, there, so the first four in the franchise were theatrical releases, and then the rest of them were all straight to video. Oh, uh, so okay. from Inferno on, they're all straight to video until this new one, which is also timed out very well. There's a new one on. Well, I guess that's straight to video too, straight right. to Hulu. Uh, so perfectly timed that we can talk about this new Hellraiser movie as well. And that's kind of something that predicated this, I think, too, the announcement of this and kind of the buzz around the trailer. And even I was like, you know what? I haven't seen since the first Hellraiser. You know, I'm down to go on this ride with you. So once you open the box, I'm like, hell yeah, sign me up too. But I actually watched all of them, including wow. Revelations of Judgment. So I experienced much pleasure and much pain going through this um, <laughs> I, bet. I mean by Mike, the time I, I got to hell world i was already i'm struggling. a completionist i i experienced yeah. all of it yeah mike i noticed you don't have eyes anymore and there are chains going through your chest yes yes 100 percent. and it's funny because you know like, during texas chainsaw we're like you know i never was really into the gore stuff but this this franchise is very into the gore stuff uh yeah so buckle up, buckaroo yeah and i think um and we can talk briefly maybe about all the different sequels, but a lot of them were sort of based on whatever was popular at the time. So you can see like the saw influences in some of the later ones in the 2000s oh, and stuff like that. Yeah. Guys, yeah. I when think... we're going to talk about the weird ones, Colin picked to watch. You don't think he got very excited when there was a found footage Hellraiser movie. Oh my God, <sighs> baby. Yeah. All right. I, I believe that there's the, uh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a journey <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Well, I guess let's jump in, right? And uh, happy Halloween! Help. I've got this happy Rubik's Halloween. cube here. Uh, I'm gonna solve it real quick. Oh, it cut my hand very badly. <laughs> oh, and that is a gusher. It is. It's probably going. fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, Walk it off, uh, and we'll be back. <laughs> I just cut my hand on a nail. back things are a little devilish here because we are talking hellraiser that extra dimensional horror about those beautiful delights called cenobites mm-hmm. um now we talked last week happy spooktober gents um yes. we're here doing halloween episodes we talked leatherface which we said was sort of the birth of the slasher genre mike that was what 74 76 74 and then 74 78 uh, halloween right yes and here we are my first thing that I kind of noted in the in the Hellraiser franchise when I boot up this first one, Jacob, I go, wow, 1986. Is that right? No, 1987. Mm-hmm. Late, yeah. late horror franchise entry for this to kind of be picking up steam and be as big as it ends up being. Yeah. Um, well, the way it started, obviously, so Clive Barker, uh, he started out kind of as a novelist a, or a horror writer. He did, you know, short stories and novellas and stuff like that in the starting in the early 80s, I believe. So he wrote mm-hmm. a novella called The Hellbound Heart, which is what the first Hellraiser is based on. Right. Hmm. So that kind of got popular as a novella in the early 80s. And then he was 
basically offered to make a movie of it. And he had never really done any kind of movie stuff at all. So he was like basically brand new. He's just like, I'm going to direct this movie. I guess I know nothing about directing. I'm just going to kind of wing it and directed Hellraiser. Oh, wow. Trailer really kind of embraces that. It opens up. Jacob was saying this guy is the new guy. Stephen King. So we've got a quote where it's, look, I'm handing this off forever. It's kind of like Maxim Overdrive where you get like the maniac writer directing their thing. But like you said, he's doing his first shot like that's crazy. But this one's actually good. Unlike Maximum Overdrive. That's got camp, but it's not got a lot else. Yeah. (laughs) Right. To just go from being a novelist to a a movie director. That's quite a big leap, right? Um, Maybe shout out to the cinematographer and people who are kind of guiding you know, during, you, you see that sometimes on set, the cinematographer, like, hey, maybe if we uh, frame the shot like this, he's like, that's a oh, great yeah, idea. Sure. But but still, at the end of the day, you know, that aside, I think he does a really good job with this one. And I think there's a reason yeah. this is kind of one of the iconic horror movies to ever come out, you know? Totally. And I think, you know, the first Hellraiser still really holds up, um, as mm-hmm. well as the second one as well. But uh, it's a really interesting story. And it's not, if you're just, if you just know the kind of the popular culture of Pinhead, the lament configuration, the, the puzzle box, like you might not really expect this movie to kind of be what it is, but it's really a lot of it's just about a guy with no skin hanging around in a house and, yeah. uh, you know, some other weird it's, stuff. It, again, I had not watched this one in a while. Spoilers for a Hellraiser podcast. franchise. Spo- spoilers yes. for every one of them. Spoilers for this one in 1987. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was very different than I remembered. I, it was booting up, I was like, oh, this is mostly the story about a guy being cucked by a ghost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, so so this story is like, it's it's weirdly like contained. You know, I really, I really like it. It is different than I remember because when I would look back on watching it in high school, I just think of the Cenobite scene at the end. It's like, this is the yeah. movie, right? But it's really not, you know? We have, we no. have Frank who gets the puzzle box uh, from a weirdo in, you know, some foreign country and it, opens up a portal to hell right and through circumstance uh the husband of his paramour gets his hand cut and then somehow he comes back to life because the blood drips in the attic and he kind of was able to escape hell at which point he's like hey julia feed me blood and it's right trying to and convince, that's his brother right yeah and that's his brother yeah brother yeah Larry, had right. a previous Who, uh, affair. Andrew um, Robinson. He inherited this yeah. house from him, which of course comes with this deadly puzzle as well. It's it's just so wild. And let's say, uh, Jacob, our, our first introduction, I'm so happy we've been doing all this Star Trek stuff, but we get yes. Andy Robinson, uh, That's a, a right. longtime Star Trek actor. My favorite DS9 guy. Garrick. Uh, great character. He plays a Cardassian spy slash Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh but uh, yeah, the Deep Space Nine connection of the Hellraiser movies—we got to talk about it because in the third one, <laughs> we get Jadzia Dax, right? Terry, Terry Farrell. Farrell. Mm-hmm. So very weird connection there. Um, but keep it going. Yeah, he's great, and uh, I think it's just a great little self-contained movie. The Cenobites aren't in it as much as you think they're going to be, but when they do show up, it's like pretty iconic and memorable. Yeah, and, and I, I, you know, I like to uh, overly film school things you know what what is this one about right and and when you look at the way the puzzle box is presented and and the way the the verbiage of pain and pleasure and the intermingling of the two and kind of this obsession that julia has with her affair with frank which is obviously toxic but she still has feelings for him and the willingness to literally because of an affair 
put everything at risk, including your own husband, your own daughter, other people. Like, is that the theme of this? Like the the mm. expense of infidelity on a family. Like she clearly doesn't want to live in the country. She's a city lady and she's obsessed with her old life. She can't yeah, let go yeah. of the past. Am, am I overthinking it? <laughs> I think that's an interesting uh, take on it for sure. Because it destroys the entire family. Her obsession with her relationship with Frank, you know, it leads in the movie to murder, but metaphorically yeah. the destruction of the family unit around her. It is one of those almost the yuppie nightmares sort of, you know, the fatal attraction, Mike, where it is like yes. these, you know, crazy affairs that unravel things. But it's like the supernatural version one. It also involves, again, a Rubik's Cube that brings angels out. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, of course. And she has to bring in victims, lures in victims to kill yes. in the attic, you know, with the yeah. promise of sex or whatever. And then uh, she murders him in the attic so Frank can slowly get his organs and skin and he kind of come right. back yeah. to life. Sacrifice yeah. the blood to bring him back mm -hmm. and the blood and gore. Um, and that's where the yeah. intrigue of the plot kind of unwinds. It's like she's trying to hide it from Larry and the, and the stepdaughter, yeah. uh, Kirstie. And so you have this whole yeah. thing. So I'm wondering, and you could make a... You could say the art is it a is it an anti S and M argument or like a pro traditional family values movie? Do you think? Yeah, what I want to ask it? that, Jacob. Is this was the reaction to it almost sort of a Fifty Shades of Grey where people are like, "This isn't fucking. You don't know what domination and stuff is." Or were people like, "Oh, you know what? This is kind of the first entry into mainstream culture." I I do wonder about that. Yeah, it definitely sure. has like this. Um, there is an extreme, obviously, like um, imagery of like the BDSM stuff, like chains, leather, this pain, pleasure, yes. sexuality thing that I touched on earlier. Like that's a big part of it. And and again, people's pursuit of that pleasure at the expense of all yeah. else. What will that cost you? Right. Um, and that's yes. the theme of what makes a good Hellraiser that doesn't make it into all the sequels. So I will highlight that as totally. kind of the pain, it, pleasure. What yeah. the, the risk Frank for? Cotton uh, archetype is like the guy that he's like experienced everything in the world that the world has to offer, but he's looking for I don't like it. more, right? More. I don't like that. Yeah. Now, Mike, in the same way we had a lot of conversations about Leatherface being, mm -hmm. is this the direction of Chainsaw or is Chainsaw this bigger thing, you know, that it's, it's talking about. I agree with you. I'm so happy that yeah. you made this point of it doesn't need to just be the Cenobites because we are getting our keywords. We're hearing pain, and pleasure over and over. We're hearing dominance, things like that. Mm -hmm. We're seeing the flayed man, um, ecstasy, like Jacob just said, these stereotypical characters that are like, like, I've like fucking jizzed my balls out, man. And like, you know, like I just need like at this point, like, you know, I just need the craziest stuff possible. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, 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 Here's the thing. Here's yeah, yeah. here's going to be my big, I guess, overwhelming point about the Hellraiser franchise. To comment on all that stuff I just said mm -hmm. is that yes, I think that the best ones should be talking about all that stuff. At the end of the day, it's just not really subject matter that um, I'm interested in. Mm. I have said in the past on this podcast, I've called myself a gentleman pervert, and that is a title <laughs> that I have I have given out when we talk about salacious things and. To clarify that to listeners, yes. what I mean by that is just means that I'm pro-sex and we're kind of in a very quickly, more puritanically growing society currently mm. where mm -hmm. to make things more marketable and international, mm -hmm. um, sex is getting sanded off, you know, violence is getting toned down too. So you think this would be my franchise, but I got to say, guys, 
sexual violence is just not something I have ever been interested in. And mm. even when I watch like a good 80s action movie where a lot of the time nudity is tied to a woman getting assaulted, unfortunately, right, right. or attacked, I don't like it. Like that's – it's never good and it's certainly not in this – I I'm, – I'm not trying to be prudish here. I think there should be movies about S&M and I, I think there right. should be you know, subject matter about like domination and like all this stuff. Right, I don't right. care about that. Like Cenobites, go crazy and stuff. This just is not for me for, again, the stuff we talked about, Mike, previously about the gore stuff and then just the subject matter in general of this about guys just sort of just being overly salacious. Right. So. And, and, well, yeah. Go, well, I'm just yeah. going to tie, tie into the Texas Chainsaw conversation. The franchise does definitely go where the Cenobites are kind of a minor piece of this bigger theme, you know, yeah. about like why would somebody kind of want to take things over the limit, right? Um, and this franchise gets away with thinking, oh, the Cenobites and specifically Pinhead is the franchise. And that's why the sequels start to suffer kind of as we get deeper. Um, and, and I see what you're saying, like um, with those kind of sensitive topics in the world of Hellraiser, generally speaking, though, there, there's a, um, a consent to the violence that it becomes more than they expected, I guess. So, so you know what I mean? The people yeah, who are getting into trouble yeah. are consenting Generally, to opening. You have to want to open yeah. the box. And that's yeah. where I draw that line. Although yeah. there is sometimes assault, right? people are tricked into opening the box sometimes and they don't know what trick. they're getting into. But there's usually mm -hmm. someone that's like, I went to open the box and experience all the, the pleasures. But I think the, uh, so the S&M stuff. they have a, a personal responsibility for, yeah, so they're consenting to starting the, you know, the cycle, starting say. the whole thing with the Cenobites. But yeah. the pain and pleasure thing is interesting to me because it's like basically how the human brain perceives pain and how it perceives pleasure. It's like a very thin line between the two. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of getting the idea that extreme pleasure can also feel like pain. And so I think that's an interesting angle uh, of these movies. And there's a hey, lot and of Did people you know? Oh yeah, I was just saying. Who kind Sorry. of? I, there's a reason why you know there's an audience for dominatrix and like like that yeah. kind of play. Like there are people who consent and are kind of in that wheelhouse, right? And so it's like yeah, and part in of the S&M, there's being explored here. Yeah, it's sadomasochism, right? So there's sadists that are like into you know in violence of others, and then there's masochism, which is like being inflicting pain on yourself essentially for for sexual pleasure and so on top yes. of the gore just that's something i think the average person maybe doesn't deal with so kind of being confronted with that does make these sometimes uh, uncomfortable experiences as an audience right that's that's what they're going for though so that's the power yeah. of it is to turn that dial up and go you know consensual s&m play of wax or you know candle stuff mm -hmm. but what if like your skin is on fire this time. <laughs> yes. You know, that is that is sort of the joke or cosmic irony, I guess, that's it really leans into. Right. It's yeah. trying to make you feel uh, it, it's yeah. trying to make you look at a sensation that you've never seen before. Right. It's trying to guess just through yeah. a window as a voyeur, like pushing the boundaries yes. of yeah. human there, Very often monkey paw stories or genie stories, 100%. right? It is mm. like the, the wrongful wish or, you know, getting more than you expected pretty much yeah. every time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, totally. and that might have something to do with, again, the pursuit, like adrenaline junkies and shit. It's like, how far is too far, right? And with Hellraiser, it's like right here. <laughs> this is how bad yeah. it can get if you can't control those appetites, let's say. Uh, Do you know there's right. um, 
actual quotes of back to Star Trek of Gene Roddenberry saying like, I think pain and pleasure are the same thing. <laughs> He's a big <laughs> Hellraiser like, fan there. Yeah. I mean, fucking Jerry sure was, man. Yeah. Spinoff, yeah. Yeah, his treatment for <laughs> um, Ratham Khan was a lot different. <laughs> uh, come on. Yeah. But this um, one is very strong because, again, I think it's focused, yeah. right? On this this kind of horror setup of bringing Frank back, he ultimately usurps the family and assumes the identity of the father. Like there, there's, it's a small story that Cinnabites play a role in, but it's kind of just in the finale to say, "Here is the bigger world, and you won't yes. unleash this." Right? Yeah. And how they're used in this, I kind of like. I prefer this to some of the later ones where they're used more as like traditional slasher uh, monsters or something. Which is I a like that they're kind problem. of just yeah. Yeah, but these guys, they're not really evil. They're just kind of neutral, and they just come yes. when they're... They're Hell's you know, middle management. Yeah. 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 They're not even yeah. like... Pinhead's not the leader of Hell. He's just like no. a, a regional manager. Right. Yeah. In box. The, this first draft, we should say, and in this first film, he is not Pinhead. He is just known as the leader Cenobite or the priest, the hell as priest. he was referred yeah. to, the Hell Priest in the book originally. Mm, right. Yes. Yeah, he only became Pinhead and kind of the icon of this franchise afterwards just because of his iconic look and his popularity. Was he because of Jason Pinhead at all? Yeah. Or like in the credits? What's that? Was he credited as Pinhead in the credits or was it like a fan thing? Oh, that Pinhead guy. I'm not sure. I'm yeah, not sure I'd have either, to go back and check. But of I course, should... there's the other iconic Cenobites in this one, the Chatterer, uh, the Big, Big Boy. Big vibes. Frank yeah. and Chatterer, I yes. think, influenced the liquor and Nemesis for Resident Evil. Just got to shout that in out. In the bound, yeah, the way bound that he's too. got the leather and sort of the face out. But yeah, Jacob, um, I've got big, big boy energy. I do love the big boy. <laughs> the and big boy. Butterball. Listeners, Email one. Yeah, Butterball. <laughs> that's his name. Butterball. Listeners, if you do want to kill some good time, as much as I sort of am not good with the the pinhead franchise hellraiser googling the top cenobites and looking at all of them is a very worthwhile afternoon <laughs> they, yeah. they so are you'll very get a cool kick out of that. and again some of the yeah. sequels they just completely fuck up the cenobites and they're just like why those aren't cenobites like not my cenobites but they really nail them in this especially in this movie and in the next movie hellbound hellraiser 2 bound yeah so that, again it's a sequel we kind of get it's one of the only times asterisk where we get carryover characters back in a hellraiser movie right it's a direct sequel yeah. andy robinson kind of the secret star of this movie just through flashback footage now mm-hmm. i watched this one for the first time um and i gotta say guys this is where i was very turned into it and was like oh this is where they realized we can have like a halloween franchise this could be like a horror movie I'm like, right oh, this is great yep so continuously yeah uh kirsty after surviving uh the death right, of the family. daughter character, and it also has uh, Julia. Was that her name, Julia? Yeah, Julia kind of usurps Frank She's like and the villain, the villain of this, of this one. Because yeah. she, yeah. at the end of the last film, gets taken to hell by the Cenobites, and now she's kind she of pulling out. the strings behind the scenes now, the same way Frank did. Right, and I kind of see this one as the aliens to the original's alien, where it's like, all right, we're going to have like more you know, monsters, more Cenobite effects stuff in this. Yeah. It's going to be like bigger and more expensive probably to make and uh yeah i think this one really works too it's it's a it's more ridiculous too um like like it's a little more over the top um yeah i think it's very enjoyable except for like the first 30 minutes is essentially a flashback of the first movie to catch audiences up yeah that first act back when movies mike were like well we have to answer every question from that last movie and you're like you really don't No, no right 
But we get expanded lore on the world of the Cenobites. Yeah. And, you know, Kirstie's in the hospital and slowly the walls fall away and we get the long hallways and like this kind of labyrinth. We learn about Leviathan. Um, you know, the doctor goes crazy and becomes a Cenobite at some point. Like we learn a lot more about the world yeah. uh, from which yeah. they come from. And I think and that's what's more fascinating is that myth. We see the pinhead picture in the past. Mm-hmm. And again, that's something that like none of these other sequels do. Well, Bloodline tries to do a little bit, but then none of them really, they all fuck up the lore until after new Bloodline, one. they just say kind of fuck it, you know? Yeah. Is, yeah. But is Clive Barker still around? Is he in like... This, so, yeah, in the sequel, he is contributing like creatively to like the script, I had a I sex stream last night and they're like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Great and class. then it over. he's kind of involved in this one and I think three and then after that isn't really. And by the time it's like after Bloodline, which is the last theatrical release, he just wasn't involved at all. I don't think. Gotcha, just like, gotcha. We're going to keep making direct to DVD movies just to keep the. Uh, intellectual property rights, right? Right, right. Oh, and, and to also tie back into your uh, Aliens reference, the Aliens franchise, we get the engineer Cenobite, the crazy dude in the hallway flying down. Yeah. Um, yes. Big ass thing. Great so. sequence. Yeah. And we see the original Cenobites from the first one. We see the people that they used to be or whatever. And we see that Butterball yeah. was like a baby or something. That was kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, like a yeah, big we, dummy. We we learn, uh, yeah, kind of the origin of a Cenobite where, you know, I think Bradley or something, I can't remember uh, Pinhead's original name, but he was just a guy who got the box like after World War One or something. It's like, yep, seen yeah. some crazy shit. And then you lose your humanity because you cross that line. And then he just forgets even all of them, forget who they were. They just become these kind of... Um, almost monuments to disfiguration and pain. Like they, they just embrace what yes. the box offered to where they're no longer human. And you're a Cenobite now. And he's just like a manifestation of putting a bunch of shit in your head and chatters like, look at my teeth. And they all are just kind of these different versions of like, here I am. I love pain. Right. Yes. You know, all in service of Leviathan. Yes. Yes. Again, yes. not the leader of hell. And um, you do see who they are, but surprisingly in this, the doctor who becomes a Cenobite in this just kills all the original Cenobites, which again, where yeah. the series goes, it's like you, you're kind of not doing it right. Like that's not the point. Anybody yeah, yeah. can become one of these things. You can have an infinite number of them, but then they're just like, nope, yeah. it's Pinhead, baby, and friends. And I, I can't wait to talk about the new one because they actually do go more into the mythology and everything, yeah, which and I appreciate that for the end for sure. Yeah, but that's um, two. But that's two. Still pretty good. I would, you know, on a rewatch, right, nine watch more, more to go. go. I think three and four will be touches, and then there's a, yeah. Everything past four is kind of like a burn through of like, why was this bad? I yeah. yeah we can just give up. You know I, what I mean? You guys keep going. I'm gone. Here's what I'll say. From this point on, it's hard because there's no home for these. There's no dedicated app where it's like, yo, guys, oh, no. I've got well, I'll tell you one through seven. Yeah, all I'll over. tell you what I did, Colin. So you yeah. can watch the first two on Amazon Prime, right? Which and I then three and then just stop. Eight. Just watch, then go to Hulu, and then stop. Stop listening. <laughs> stop. Watch those I three. Would argue that, uh, <laughs> three Unless you're three is worth watching. Um, I wanted but, to, based on your writing. Yeah, but for three <laughs> through eight, I got a. I subscribed to the Cinemax channel on, so you can subscribe to channels on Amazon Prime like Cinemax, Stars, mm-hmm. etc. Right. Yeah. So I, so I subscribed to the Cinemax channel, which you can watch three through eight on, 
instead uh, of renting Cinemax, them individually. The, the dirtiest streaming service, of course, has the That's dirtiest horror franchise. Right. Yes. And the right. worst parts of I it, take too. it back. I did the same thing, Jacob. And then the other yeah. two wow. bad ones are on Freebie or Pluto TV Freebie. or Voodoo yes. or whatever. I them a couple of the later <laughs> yeah. ones on Freebie. <laughs> yeah. I could not even get myself to watch those. After eight hell world i was like i can't watch these anymore uh and henry but, cavill didn't make you want more come on that's what <laughs> no. well we'll get to it. tell yeah, me yeah, about yeah. three tell me three about three. three we're still three. in the territory of tolerable if you want more than two yes <laughs> yeah. hell on earth uh is the subtitle for three i believe terry and Farrell. this one terry farrell she's like a tv Amazing. journalist uh this one I still think is pretty fun. Like it's a fun bad horror movie to watch, and I think it's watchable. There's a lot of uh, gore and like effects in this one, so it's like, like it's basically Pinhead like kills a whole nightclub worth of people, um, and it's just it's just fun. He makes some new '90s Cenobites that have like CDs in their heads and stuff. A camera. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like a, a news have, cameraman becomes C- a Cenobite. CR or whatever his name is. Yes, he's great. Yeah, there's like ready for your close up. I believe he says, and he. There's yeah. a lot of one-liners, yeah. is the point. Uh, it's a lot of mediums that don't exist anymore, like, uh, you know, God, cameras and... and shooting on videotape and CDs yep. and stuff, but it's great. It's, so good. it's campy. We do get, again, our Star Trek uh, reference, Terry Farrell. We get more with the ghost of Pinhead's human form, because apparently his demon form is separated now and is running oh, rampant. That's what he warns her. You know? Yeah, so there's like a the weird anti-war. The idea that's Pinhead to bring him back in. Hey, you're out of line, buddy. It's stupid. Yeah, and though. like, like <laughs> Terry Farrell seeing like flashbacks of her dad in Vietnam or something, and they tie that into so they have a connection. Doug Bradley, yeah, I don't understand. Like, it's very strange. It's very what? strange. But I have my one yeah. note for this is if you like people smoking cigarettes on film, boy, is this the movie for you? Because every wow. scene, every frame, you know, yeah, someone's smoking a cigarette, and it is and rock a lot and of roll like, '90s. It is wild. Yeah, a lot of '90s like goth style and stuff there's like this whole nightclub that's like this is like the secret goth nightclub where it's like real extreme in here because everyone's stuff. like likes pain and pleasure in here man yeah yeah, and roll. yeah this is 1992 <laughs> so, by the way. but that's all i have cool. to say if you like camp yeah. little rock and roll cigarette smoking and a guy with a camera in his head <laughs> i do yeah, it's yeah. fun it's a fun bad horror movie God, to watch how but did cole meanie not play a cinnabite he looks <sighs> right. like one man right but this is uh Again, not really in keeping with the lore set up by one and two, but no, the next one, so Bloodline, kind of does get. I, I say Bloodline it fits more in with yeah. the lore than three does. So if we can so Bloodline, yeah, they try to go into the the lore and explain it and kind of show the origins of like Lamarchand and his the puzzle, puzzle box. box and all that stuff. So, but who invented Colin? The puzzle would you box? believe that first of all, this movie starts in space in the future? Um, no, I can't. Is <laughs> this head goes the to space. Scott? Amazing. Well, he needs to fight Leprechaun next. But is mm-hmm. this the Scott Derrickson one? No, that's Inferno, oh, okay. which is the next. This one. This is number four. This is number four. Bloodline is the last theatrical release. Um, wow. But we're already in Jason X territory because they start in space, <sighs> then they go back to like the 18th century, and then we see young Adam Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, with like a weird haircut. Adam Scott uh, and like a Lestat wig. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and well, there's the, so there's Lamarchand, the original toy maker from the 18th century is the guy that created the box. Right. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of other stuff happens. 
I found this movie kind of hard to follow. There's like <laughs> a crazy count oh, who really? wants the box made, and then Adam Scott works yeah. for the count, so he like lures a victim there, and then the box, you know, invites, you know, so they, they're showing the generational uh, wow. trauma yeah. of uh, Hellraiser. So from the 1400s. And the Lamar Shans, yeah. yeah. And then it goes to present day, and this guy's like the, the ancestor of Lamar Shan, he's building this He's an architect. Building, yeah, he's an architect. So he's building like a giant puzzle box, and then he more stuff realize happens. it because it's like his bloodline and then the guy in space is a super super descendant who's like i'm telling you it's been going on for 200 300 oh, that's years that's the super future and he's oh trying yeah, to he's a future Lamar his yeah. goal is to capture and kill pinhead in space it's weird and so well, he this has a is robot the open the box so that he didn't <laughs> yeah. technically open it. Uh, this one has merit and there's i think the best thing about this is showing how uh someone becomes a cenobite because um angelique i believe the, the woman in the movie she slowly yeah. kind of becomes uh more of a more of a, a demonic figure and leans into right. violence so that's the one arc i think and this is the 14th or the 18th century stuff it's the most in interesting my, all stuff the in this. uh lamarchand the three lamarchands are played by the same guy right I didn't even that, realize that. That's I awesome. think so. He just has like short hair in the future, but he thinks he's the same actor that plays in They're the ancient Adam century Scott? in the present day. No, Adam Scott. No, Adam Scott's a different guy. Oh, yeah, okay. he gets murked at some point. I was going to yeah. say this movie's made for me. Then, <laughs> if he was the main um, character, yeah, that would be great. But uh, it, it opens up the lore. Where did the box come from? That's kind of its greatest contribution. The yeah. space stuff is a little extraneous, but you know, it's weirdly like paced and structured because it starts in space. Then it flashes back to the ancient century. Then there's this whole present century part. And then it Which seems like the, the movie's ending, but then it goes back to space for the whole like third act. And there's like a whole space third act in it. That's like separate from the present day. Yeah. That's wild. Im- important to note to our listeners too. These are all staying in Canon. Nothing has been rebooted yet. Correct. This is all one continuous timeline. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so, but I just like Clive Barker. I don't think he cares about anything. He's past. he's not contributing anything at this point. No, and the rights are just every, yeah. Whoever's behind each movie, just doing whatever they want with right. the lore. The studio owns this thing now, and uh, now yeah. it's time to say, you know what? Let's make it all about Pinhead. <laughs> so let's let's talk yeah. about this next era of poor sequels. <laughs> And the thing about this, five through eight, and possibly even the other two that I didn't watch, but yeah. a lot of these movies were started as spec scripts that were unrelated to the Hellraiser oh, God. IP. And then they just like, you know what? We could turn this into a Hellraiser movie and keep the fucking IP. And we'll just Scott, put Pinhead just in this for call. one scene. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just yeah. got the call, my man. This yeah, this is where... Got- all of these head in this bad boy. Yeah, I, uh, put them on uh, page one twenty four. Uh, yeah, like the <laughs> plots generally play out without any Hellraiser relation at all, and then it's like revealed at the end. But they all they all boil down to like in the final scene, like Pinhead will show up and pontificate about pain and pleasure, and you open yeah. the box and you will not. You know, and it's like okay, and they're all kind of like psychological thrillers, just very generic. And then it's like, oh, yeah. surprise! Pinhead was behind it all. Yeah, uh, so, but this, but. Inferno, the fifth one in the series. This is the one that Scott Derrickson directed. He would go on to Amazing. make Sinister and uh, Doctor Strange, number one, and The Black Phone recently this year. But this was his first. I think this was his directorial debut. And it's My a direct-to-DVD. 
or direct uh, VHS probably at that time. But. And you're and you're telling yourself like, well, look, man, you know, better directors than me directed like, you know, Alien Three is their first movie. Like, right. I'm I'm gonna be fine. This is gonna be great. And they're like, dog, you're making Pinhead Five. <laughs> <laughs> and as much as like, I don't think this is a good movie, but you can see like, oh yeah, this guy could like direct better movies like with a bigger budget and stuff yeah sure. the only good thing i have to say about this is the visuals the way he shoots it and some of the cenobites like i get really big silent hill vibes from this like there's some fascinating yeah. visuals with the cenobites but like they're in it so little that it's not worth the runtime just like google the scenes with the cenobites if, if you care yeah and they have like little monster cenobites that are just kind of very like i didn't like their their design very much because they just have like like a Silent Hill look, but they don't look like Cenobites to me. I guess kind of true. Just, I really like the sort of like Silent Hill, but like the twins yeah. are iconic. You have, I think, Torso is in this one where it's like a chatterer with no legs. That might be yeah. different one. I might be conflating, but visually that's sure. all it has. It is, again, like Jacob said, a script with uh, this stuff tacked onto it. Yeah, and it's yeah, it started as an script, unrelated script. Uh, and then we have Hellraiser Hellseeker, which is like the same exact movie, basically. Where we're we're solving a mystery where you figure out who the killer yeah. is, and then we're doing it again, only this time. Uh, and this one has Dean Winters, the main character. Kirsty Cotton, the main character. From oh, the first oh yes. He is back. So yeah. he's married to Kirsty Cotton from the originals, yes. And Dean Winters, and that's this the is big the uh, mayhem guy. Yeah. It's so may- they're missing a yeah, big a opportunity this Halloween to be like, hey, this Halloween, be careful, because you could find yourself opening a puzzle box, and without insurance, you'll be subjected to mayhem like me. You know, Dean Winters probably doesn't like yeah. to talk about this. This is the <laughs> lowest yeah. point of his life. Don't ever imply he wants to think about this ever again. It's funny that he gets in a car accident, though, and then depicts many car accidents in his commercials. He can't yeah. escape it. Your own personal hell, Dean. He needs to do yeah. a movie with uh, Dennis Haysbert. That would be a great movie, I think. Would just be insurance. <laughs> Where they sell us car insurance. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob said it. This is a remake of that other one where it's a mystery and we're like, oh, Dean Winters is trying to figure out, like, who's, like, is his wife dead? Like, did he kill her? All the cops are like, oh, d- did you murder your wife? Did you crash the car on purpose? Only for at the end, spoilers, she killed him for yeah. some fucking reason. Oh, she offered that's him. That's the twist. Yeah. Because yeah. she was she was marked by the, the puzzle box, so they were going to take her soul, and she's like, I'll offer these souls but there was like she had to offer five souls in return for her so the four people that died before him in the movie and then him because he had like he was like cheating on her a bunch so there's like a bunch of scenes of dean so winters just like hooking up with killed and he yeah. gets killed yeah so so kirstie comes yeah. back to become a villain good job everybody not to bring up david fincher again but it really seems like seven ends up being the biggest inspiration oh, yeah. to the hellraiser franchise and why would so you know, I've been reviewing these on Letterboxd as I watch them. And so Inferno, I called that seven Hellraiser seven because it's very seven inspired. This one is as oh, well. It was one too late or one too early. Yeah. But this one, I also think had some memento uh, oh, sure. uh, themes in it where he's like trying to remember his past. Like it doesn't have him tattooing his body with like words and stuff, but like he's trying to put together what happened. He keeps having these like weird Man. flashbacks or hallucinations and stuff. Yeah. So it was yeah, just yeah. taking whatever was popular at the time and like, Oh, we'll make a Hellraiser movie about that. Sure. Why not? Which sometimes horror movies end up with that, you know, like again, yeah. 
Leatherface becoming just a Jason in the 90s because that's what was popular. Oh, and now we're going to do this seven thing. Um, yeah, Halloween H2O being very Scream inspired and so on. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. the bummer. You know, horror movies are good when they're kind of their own thing, but they naturally devolve into just uh, derivative. Yeah. And uh, nothing is more derivative of anything than probably Hellraiser Deader, right? This is Deader, rough. yes. Deader. I like this one more than the last two, actually. Like more yeah. than Inferno and Hellseeker because Hellseeker is just extremely boring. Inferno is kind and it of ruins boring the too. character of Kirsty, which I yeah take objection. And they got the original actress to come back just for like two scenes where she's like, ah, I was behind it all. She's the in whole the car time. crash in the beginning and then in the reveal at the end. That's it. Yeah, two scenes. And then they kill her. Do they reverse? No, turn she gets her into away basically. Yeah, she oh, gets wow. away with it. You know, she kills her cheating husband, husband and then. Is gets away from the Cenobites, right? Yeah, but how about um, Deader then? We get another uh, journalist plot. So this one, yeah, we have a an investigative journalist going to Romania to investigate a cult that can apparently resurrect people from the dead. They're Called obsessed the with debtors. resurrecting from the dead again, this debtors. kind of extremist vibe. And then she's a journalist who goes to the extreme. Like we meet her waking up in like a crack den with all these yes. crazy drug addicts. And then she gets up and like, you want some of this drug? And she like goes to the door, <laughs> grabs her like camera cord. What? I got everything I need. Journalism yeah. line and like dips. You know? um, like, okay. This one. Yeah. I actually like this one more than the previous two. It's more watchable to me. Like from the beginning, I was like, all right, I'm into this. Like this is, you know, it's not good, but it's like watchable to me. And at this point, Jacob, you like cut yourself with razor blades <laughs> while you watch these movies. I just watch yeah. them. It's pain enough. This has got yeah, interesting. Th- this is definitely another, again, script that was not Hellraiser. It's like this weird journalism script about yeah. like an underground cult. Again, it's barely anything to do with Hellraiser. Yeah. But you get interesting like Euro like techno club people like yeah. fascinating side characters because it is in europe she's meeting all these weirdos with like very early 2000s like that's what blonde, i spiky hair and shit and goggles yeah. like rave culture so that's 100 that's what i loved about it was like the early 2000s euro trash style of like the the ravers and stuff when she gets on the train with all those people yeah um but again the the plot is very confusing and I guess then the leader of the cult was is a Lamar Shand, uh, so they're tying that back in, right? Yeah. Um, so that's how you fix the script. We'll put one apart. line that he's a Lamar Shand. He has the yeah. box because he's obsessed, and then Pinhead's like, "You're misusing the box. Your ancestors." And like again, just a pontification. In the very last Hello. scene, he kills all the cultists, and then like, yeah, the end. <laughs> Otherwise, pretty unremarkable. Oh, our hero um, wins because she kills herself. Right, so Pinhead she, can't take he her soul, right? Him of, yeah, exactly. So that's so she solved the mystery. Good for her. Yeah, no, um, what a terrible message. Anyway, and it's set it's set in Romania because it was shot in Romania. A lot of tax course, credits, you know, save money. Yeah, for <laughs> a dollar. Chainsaw did the same thing in 2022, not yeah. Romania. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But I like how they were just like, yeah, we'll set it in Romania, and then we can shoot it in Romania, and people won't wonder why it looks like it was shot in Romania. Um, yeah. So then, but then we get. Hell World. Uh, Hellraiser Hell World, the eighth in the series. And this one, man. <laughs> Video game Hellraiser, Lance Henriksen, so, and Henry Cavill. Yes. We have a young Henry Cavill. We have Lance Henriksen as the host. This movie is about, first of all, I thought this was going to be like, I was very disappointed. From the movie poster, it's like binary code. It's green. It looks like it's going to be the Matrix. It's going to be Hellraiser's Matrix, right? 
Yeah, it's like it's it's sucked into a Hellraiser video game or something. 2005. I think they say evil goes online or something. Yeah. Like God. Which is a cool tagline. Like, especially now, like, you know, go to cyberspace. He's, he's in yeah. emails, right? Who the fuck? So knows? I was like, don't open this puzzle letter. Sucked into a video game and like a Hellraiser video game, you know? But unfortunately, that's not what happens. They go to this Hellraiser themed party in a mansion that's they like play a video Sam game Anderson. called Hell World. And they yes, there's the an beginning. MMO that's right. based on Hellraiser that everyone plays, and sometimes you get addicted to it, and then you kill yourself because you're so obsessed with it. Yeah, but that's like even not even a plot point. Like their friend does kill themselves because he was obsessed with Hellworld, but they're like it's just a game. But the point is, they talk about the game in the beginning and are invited to a party. The rich guy throws that's for people who like game. playing the game. But yeah. this is Henry K. Ville. He's one of the kids playing the game. He's one of the yep. kids. Oh and my god. Yeah, it's a young Henry Cavill, and he's really not very good in this. I was like, sure. you know, when you you see he's like kind a, of a bad actor <laughs> in this, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, when you see like a star, like a future star in an early role, and you're like, I can see why they became a star. Uh, this like we like had, the uh, um, all right, all right, all right, Adam Texas Scott. Chainsaw. Yes, oh, yes, Matthew yes. McConaughey. Like that's Absolutely. one of those special ones, yes. right? But this is not that. This is like yeah. no, he's not. He's not good in this. He's just like a like a douchebag kid he's just trying to hook up but uh sounds yeah it's 2005 hook up bro yeah Yeah. it's bad i think henry cavill he's only good when playing Geralt or superman basically very taciturn Mm -hmm. superman really he's good he's good in mission impossible but Mm -hmm. that's just me um but he's good in that too but he's when he's a horny douchebag either yeah yeah you're right but uh, this is essentially a spooky house movie with lance hendrickson being the villain he's basically setting people up in these situations it's not even you know pinhead and, and again until the very end it's a, it's a whole thing it's just a, a paint by numbers kids are having a party and they Trapped wander to rooms murder and, house yeah, yeah typical murder house not much to offer there's a little weird twist typical that it was like house. all in their head at the end and they were buried alive and it, it's stupid it's it wow, doesn't it's yeah it doesn't make any sense it's your typical we'll throw pinhead in the end and it turns out lance Hendricks is pinhead or something um Good, good. Doesn't make any sense. Important. But, yeah. Probably um, the worst use of the IP, and there's been some bad ones, but it's like it's it's the most out of place the Cinebites have ever felt. Like why are, they yeah. should not be here. On and, Letterboxd, I said this was the Halloween resurrection of the Hellraiser franchise. <laughs> there we go. Well, and here's the thing though. Perfect segue, Jacob. Now we are getting these moderately okay actors lance henrickson Pumpkinhead, in a billion horror yeah. franchises henry cavill a young man you know trying to take his shot but the fact of the matter is these are direct to dvd movies you're right are when we were watching all those halloweens last year there's a reason that they kind of like even at their craziest are consumable and mike and i were laughing and just having a blast thinking about crazy burned up Loomis from like six and five. Yeah. Yeah. By that time I can still have so much fun with that franchise. Whereas here, like even, even hearing you guys talk about it and me thinking about you watching these movies, guys is making me mad. It's not worth it. (laughs) It's It's not worth it to even check out. It it has lost its way more than any other franchise as much as i complained about like you know it becoming too much about leatherface and texas chainsaw and stuff but it, yes this lost its way yeah. basically from four on and it, it's it's rough and nothing you know 
we can get to Freebie and Tubi now, I think, with revelations well, and judgment. Now I'm back in, yes. I've watched these in two, now, unfortunately. Right? Well, I think it's the classic tale of Hollywood capitalism where there's like, we have to make a yeah. movie every so often to keep the rights of this IP. Let's just make whatever garbage and put Pinhead in it. Uh, yeah. One thing I also I want to say about Hell World is that yeah, yeah. Uh, before we go from mm-hmm. this one, uh, uh, so Lance Henriksen is in it. He was originally they wanted him to play Frank Cotton in the original, huh. um, but he was doing something else, so he couldn't fit into his schedule. So they originally wanted him in the original. Finally, got him in the eighth movie of the franchise. Yeah, like mm-hmm. thirty years later. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get you next time, buddy. Also, uh, one of uh, Henry Cavill's friends in this is. K- Carrie Payton, who played King Ezekiel in The Walking Dead. Oh wow! Yeah, love okay. Carrie Payton. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So some voice actor. Weird, weirdly big names in this. Some auspicious this starts that coming go from on this franchise, right? Yeah, uh, but it's just heartbreaking. Colin, you're back in lead lead I'm on this. In. Then, yeah, we've been talking enough. This is where I tapped out. Yeah, this, so it's me and Colin now. That. Yeah. <laughs> so this is once again where Mike, you have to tell me what the names are. Because also yes. when I'm talking into my Apple TV and I'm going like Hellraiser and it's not exactly saying like four or three next to them. No. It's for that second one, Hellbound, obviously, Hellraiser mm-hmm. 2. I'm like, this makes sense. And because those are streaming, those were the first two. Now these ones start popping up. But I'm like, oh, I don't like how this Pinhead actor looks. Yeah. Like this is making me nervous. What is yeah. this one called? So Revelations. Well, Colin, that's a weird thing about yeah. the whole franchise is that – after I think three had the number, they just stopped using numbers. It was yeah. like just a different weird subtitle. A classic Inferno, horror movie. That's yeah. what they contributed to horror movie. Yeah, when you know, <laughs> and like Nightmare, away. all of them. After once you hit the four, and you know Jason too, there really seems to be this notion from pr- production people to be like, we can't have all of that legacy in people's faces. Right. We really need to make this the jumping on point for people. And Halloween like, it's stuck, not. stuck with it until six. <laughs> Halloween right? stuck with it, baby. And God, again, God bless. All consumable. <laughs> I shot him six times. Um, <laughs> this one, Colin, Revelations yes. 2011, okay. as we alluded to, literally made uh, shot in two weeks for $300,000 because they didn't want to lose the license. And it's the right. bad guy, Weinstein Ooh, wow. Company. So, yes, it Aramax, is. All these were made by... Miramax, right? Uh, yes. A portion of them. Not all, yeah. but yes, yes, yes. The bad ones. Or Revelations or whatever it is, which is the, the horror chain of Miramax. But yeah, man, when I watched this, I was like, yeah, of course. This is the one found sense. footage. Kids go to Mexico, right? You were interested this in found footage. In, go. Wow. But I might have to watch that anyway. Now, but Jake, <laughs> not all of it. Yeah. Let's talk about what the found footage elements are. It will be stuff like, oh, I'm really haunted. I have to watch this thing of my son or whatever who had this experience that stuff is pinhead. That stuff is found footage. The rest of it is shot handy cam style that makes you think it's found footage. Sometimes it will be in and out of found footage. But it wow. Mike, when you just told me the price tag, not shocking, but also shocking. No, no. I mean, the premise is these two teens decide to go to Mexico for a weekend of debauchery, right? We're going to go party, right? You know? Sure. And, and during that time mishaps occur and they they find their way upon the box but they're constantly recording with their handheld camcorder their 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 adventures so that's where the evidence is puzzles they meet pinhead uh dollar store pinhead right and then the son returns home they think he's like fucking psychologically damaged what happened to you so the majority of this movie takes place in a single house with um zero lighting equipment 
and like a yeah. middle of the road HD camera. And they're oh, just boy. like middle aged white people that you've never. I mean, Domestic they're not actors. Conversations. And, yeah. Well, yeah. And it, it is. I mean, the room level of the walk in and be like, yo, Barry's gone. Did you see where he went? I'm very nervous about him. And they'll just sort of like keep moving as they're talking and then like walk out of frame. And you're like, okay, Weird. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Two thirds of this is like, I wonder what happened. Is he okay? And then like one character watching the tape, which is kind of repeating what we've already seen. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's bad. Wow. Um, the, the, the well, I can tell is, you. Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, tell go me. Ahead. Well, I was just going to say uh, Doug Bradley's reaction when they were making this, they basically contacted him like a couple weeks before they were going to shoot. And then he's like, this, like the, basically he wrote a Facebook post about it. Nice. When this came out, it was like 2011. And he was like, I've literally only heard from these people this week. It's shooting like next week. And, uh, I've looked into the script and I've decided to pass on this at this time. Wow. Uh, Good for you. So even he was like, I have my limits, you know, I've done eight of these, but uh, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) No, this one's really, really poor. Some of the dialogue also is extremely crass and like, like it's, it's like offensive in a way that even though there's like gore and, and tough subject matter, like when the reveal is the son who comes back and you think is traumatized is secretly into the whole thing. He buys into the pain pleasure and he wants to sacrifice his whole family to the box, mm. right? That's the twist. But that uh. whole scene where he's yelling at the family about your shitty suburban life and all this sucks. And like he's saying some fucking crazy shit, especially as it relates to having relations with the daughter and it's fucking gross. It's like the grossest of any scene in Hellraiser to me. I don't know how you felt about that whole thing, but I, I don't like this movie at all, Colin. Yeah, it was disgusting. Um, this was one of those things where I was off today and just had the capability to, like I said, talk into my remote and turn on any of these last Hellraisers that were free and available to me. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking, wow, I can't watch the Scott Derrickson one. I can't watch the third one with Terry Farrell. The one I have to watch is this one. Yeah. No, it's it's That's amazing. Easily the worst one. It has some okay makeup effects, but the worst the worst pinhead like it's even it would, worse than It's probably the worst film in any judgment. of the franchises we've talked about. Yes. Like literally it's the um, cheapest looking, worst plotting. Yeah, it's it's bad. Judgment's very violent. Yeah. Well, something else that's do that. So, so right before we jump to judgment, I just want to say, so we talked about Scott Derrickson. He did Inferno. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bloodline is technically an Alan Smithy movie, which means the original director didn't want his name attached to it. So it became Alan Smithy. Uh, So Inferno was Scott Derrickson. The next three were all made by the same director, Rick Bota. So that's Hellseeker, Debtor, and Hellworld. Then Mm. this one's made by Victor Garcia, but written by a guy named Gary J. Tunacliffe, who got his start doing makeup effects on, uh, we did a bunch of stuff, but he started with the Hellraiser franchise on sure. three and did, did makeup effects on multiple movies in the Hellraiser franchise before writing this one and then directing Hellraiser Judgment because basically no one else wanted to do it. So he's like, finally, I can direct my own Hellraiser movie. And he made there's, Hellraiser Judgment. Again, there's some Star Trek DNA there. Well, they'll get like... You know, you're the last remaining set painter from this season. Do you want right. to write, uh, you know, one of this? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this guy, yeah. he knows how to do Cenobite makeup, I guess. Yeah. Like, and if I'll great. say anything. I guess we trust you with the effects. Yeah. Yeah. If I say anything charitable about these two, which I kind of don't want to, the, the effects are 
like for the gore, like not Pinhead, but some of the, the, yeah. the skin stuff, like it looks good and convincing-ish. Mm. And if that's where he's coming from, that's it. But do not watch this. Yeah. Judgment, no. though. How do you feel about Judgment, Colin? Did you watch this one, too? This is 2018. So, yeah. Um, seven years again, between. I was shocked by the year. I was like, oh, wow, another recent one. So, again, people were trying to make money off this. Like I said, very violent. Um, is this seven? Is this it is, seven? Or is it? No, this is nine. No, this is nine. Is, I'm saying, Ten, is this actually. seven? Well, that's, well, Mike, literally, oh. I was thinking in my mind, what would I liken this to? I don't yeah. know. Because a, a 2018 sort of thriller on top of what it is, it, it's almost like a, like a, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Era. It, yeah. Not but an it, Eli Roth even, but you know, something. No, Heather like, camp is in this one. Yes. Yeah. We have an From, FBI uh, plot, nightmare. right? Yeah. Like there, there's FBI people investigating these crazy murders that seem to have some religious overtone. Only God can judge. He will judge a, you know, a, a good man and an evil man, whatever, you know, and it's, it's a dumb FBI show with Hellraiser slapped onto it. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of bad Michael Mann. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there, there, there's a new character of the auditor who will sit down across from you. His face is all scarred up and he wears these goggles and he's like, what are your sins? And he types them in a typewriter. Then they feed him to a guy who then pukes up your sins. And then, and then these three muses will eat it and offer cool. judgment, <laughs> at which point they'll decide whether you live or die. A lot of ex- wow. stuff that's very extra that is not really part of so the this, Hellraiser um, canon. Gary J. Tunicliffe was unable to direct Revelations, which he wrote the screenplay for. He, he then wanted to try to get this made for years, apparently, and almost and almost funded it as an independent film in 2013. He should not have. He should not have done any of those things, and he should not have worked that hard to make this movie. He says he, says he wanted to make a true Hellraiser film because of his disappointment with the later films, so he made this. This is not. So, is this a true Hellraiser <laughs> film, Colin? Go. No, well, I was about to say, because I don't want to talk about this one anymore. Is this our last bastion before we get to reboot territory? Oh, yeah, we're going to go. Yes, this is the last one. Yes. Let's talk about a real Hellraiser movie then. Let's go ahead and talk about, I think, Hellraiser 2022, right? We're back. We're talking Hellraiser, which has been, uh, again, some sensitive subject matter, but uh, an interesting topic over the course of all these films. But let's go ahead and talk about where it has ended up here in the modern day with the 2020 reboot or remake Hellraiser 2022. Uh, Hulu exclusive. A Hulu original. We love Prey, another uh, Hulu (laughs) reboot uh, of a franchise or liked Prey enough, at least. Um, That's right. Um, and this was directed by a guy named David Bruckner. Uh, are you familiar with him at all, Colin? Or Not I, at all. No, no, give me basically a anyone who's in this movie. Uh, well, he made a movie called The Night House in 2020 that got some uh, critical acclaim. Uh, okay. I, so with Rebecca Hall, I believe I have seen that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So he made that. That's a very good horror Coming horror director. He's done some VHS uh, shorts and and whatnot. Um, 
Yeah, so it's a, so we took on this Hulu original Hellraiser. I'm not sure if it's technically a reboot or set in the same universe, but just a different group of people have the box now kind of thing, or, or yeah, what's going right. on? In my mind, um, barring, you know, the, the let's say, the, the casting change for Pinhead, you know, it's not... Doug Bradley, we have uh, who's who's the right. actress now playing Pinhead? We have a, a female Jamie Clayton. And she was uh, you might know her from Sense Eight. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, I love Sense Eight. Yeah, yeah, she's a transgender actress, and uh, so that's kind of oh amazing. Interesting, she's playing this uh, night priest who's basically in the novella, basically described as like an androgynous creature, essentially. Great. All right, so so in reality this is could be and i when i was watching i'm like this could just be a seek all those other movies even the shitty ones could have happened we just have a new group of people with the box and i think yeah that's, that's kind of how about hellraiser works anyway yeah yeah just somebody else has yeah. the box now and it's their descent into madness because they have no self-control or it's an accident or tra- whatever but the box find its way to you yeah and, and that's kind of where we start and and yeah i think this is great without you know spoiling it i, I had a lot of fun with this. yeah I I did as well. I mean, after seeing, you know, eight sh- or however many shitty, terrible direct-to-DVD sequels, this was like truly a breath of fresh air because I, I fucking loved it. I thought it was great. What is working for you, Colin, wow. on this one? Well, you know, that's interesting. I was I was going to say that, um, you know, Jacob, as the usher of this franchise force, has kind of laid out the tenets that I think make the good ones, right? Or that you think make the good ones of... Let's limit down what the actual Cenobite involvement is. Let's have a pretty good story where it's not going to be heavy on mythology of that stuff, but more personal character headed towards whatever growth the story is going to do. And I think this one, to follow your guys' compliments of it, embraces all of that and goes in this direction of addiction where – Our lead actress is a young recovering addict Mm -hmm. who has to deal with the fallout of of pain and pleasure that addiction brings you. And I and, you know, watching and I was like, oh, this kind of is wild. Not my favorite movie, you know, but uh, as you guys have said, having watched other Hellraisers now, I was like, oh, my God, grading on a curve. It's like, I mean, yeah, I think Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. To, to watch all those movies first and then watch this, whereas to just watch this one alone, it might be a different reaction where it's like, so maybe I'm over praising this movie just because it's like finally a good Hellraiser movie. Like it's this been is, 30 years. You that's know? what the Cenobites do. You pain, 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 pain. One spike of pleasure. Then we're going to be back to pain for 30 years. So don't worry about it. Right. Um, I, I think what works for me in this is, again, it's not the same thing as the first Hellraiser, where it's the story of one person's kind of, descent into madness at the expense of the box and then julia kind of taking on that uh, responsibility afterward because she's obsessed too um this is more framing the box itself as being predatory right Mm. like it they always say that you have to want to open the box like you know there's an attraction between the box and maybe potentially people who live a lifestyle that the box is attracted to like a former addict we learn later that it's a little bit of a setup but the box is predatory in this and we're getting new lore that's never existed where it has six Mm -hmm. configurations and requires six bodies to be fed to it which is similar to frank that might be the same number that resurrects frank if it is i'm not sure interesting but six victims to get it to the final leviathan form and that's kind of what uh, is driving the plot yeah 
And I think some of this lore is actually taken from the Hellbound Heart original novella uh, that okay. was kind of skipped over. Like this movie does something that no other Hellraiser movie does, where it actually explains how the you know lament configuration works and everything. I and never like, even heard shows... the lament configuration is a term until this. Right. Yes. It's, it's, it's always been yeah. called well in the in the so in the Telltale in the what's it called the Hellbound Heart. Mm-hmm. It's called the Lamarshan configuration because it was invented by. Lamarshan, the toy mm-hmm. maker. In Hellraiser One, they start calling it the Lament configuration, which in we in oh, this right. one we learn is actually the first configuration of the six. Right? There's Lament, there's Leviathan, there's like five other ones. Right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, we actually learn so much more about the box, how it works, why it's alluring to people, and that's something all these sequels never touched on. Like they just have the box it's sometimes, but this one, like they tell you who made it. Yeah. They don't tell you the mechanics behind how it operates. And that's what this yeah. does. But finally. And, yeah. But not, there is not this overloading of lore either. The, the hints of the Leviathan, you know, the, are the process that we see of the person in this, who sort of takes a journey towards becoming a Cenobite. All of it. I'm like, this makes sense in the context of this film. Everything you guys just said about the six sacrifices and stuff, the discoveries and revelations the screenplays allow, like when our hero realizes, oh, I can sacrifice one of the priests could be one of my sacrifices. Why didn't I try that earlier? And you're like, I, I don't know. That's like fascinating. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. 100%. Yeah. And it just d- deals more into the like the deal that you make with the Cenobites, like the mechanics of how that works. Like it just explains so yes. much that – None of these movies, even the original, doesn't really explain that much. Uh, yeah, I feel and like that's something I really liked about this movie. This is answering yes. questions that I had after watching the second movie, <laughs> where I'm like, I'm ready to know more about how does this work? What is your demon bureaucracy? How does the box work? Right. What's the contract structure? Like, tell me more about that. And then every like Bloodline did not do that. Yeah, Bloodline tried to explain some stuff, but it. Again, I found that movie so confusing that I was just like, whatever. Yeah, it's more about the family of the Marchand than it is about how does the box work? Why is it connected to the demon world? It's like, I don't know, he just made it and it worked. You know, yeah. so this is fascinating yeah. from that aspect. And it's something that none of the other sequels have explored. So we're getting something new finally yeah. with the lore. Hammers, so I give them credit for that. Yeah, it hammers in the the idea of... You're solving the box. It cuts you. If it cuts you, you're marked by the Cenobites. Basically, you're a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice to them. It changes to a different configuration. So you start on the first one, which is the Rubik's Cube, the Lament configuration, but there's five other stages. Once you get to the Leviathan, the last stage, then you summon the Cenobites and get your earthly desires. You you can make this offer to the Leviathan and you find out that each of these configurations are something you could ask for. Goran Vizak, the ultimate villain of this film, says, I chose the Lamont configuration, or I chose liminal space. Liminal. Pleasure. Liminal space. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Um, and you instead, there, <laughs> and I despise it. I also just despise the word here. Hearing the word pleasure over and over really is why I maybe don't like this franchise. <laughs> but ultimately, when our hero makes the choice of, I choose none of the configurations. I choose to live with what has happened here. Uh, again, I am kind of like doing the woot, 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 watching this going like, man, whoever wrote this has a really good grasp on the story that they're telling here about an addict. Yes. Yeah. 
And I think and that's, that's the lament configuration. They say explicitly that is you the will lament. live right. with yes. regret, which yes. I think a lot of yes. addicts do, you know, and like, but you, yes. you live with it and that's the best yeah. case scenario because all that other tying, shit you can choose. No, nah. right. No. Nah. And Colin, like I said, tying the pleasure Hellraiser mythology into this actually compelling story about this young recovering addict. Like you're making it about something more than just like, Oh, like a guy, you know, is having weird flashbacks a bunch or something. Like it's yeah. telling a compelling story and you have interesting characters in this group dynamic of like her brother and her brother's boyfriend and their roommate and everything. Like every character is like interesting. Um and they just do a really good job of telling an interesting story. And again We're on Vijak. Oh, go ahead, Mike. No, I'm saying as I overinterpret the first movie is this this story of infidelity and the way it can wreck a family. This is a story of addiction and how it can affect the family around you. Like your brother literally, you know, dies mm-hmm. in this movie, but it's like how can that tear apart your roommate system? Like like it can. Like it, it affects your life greatly. Um if you know people who've dealt with that, et cetera. I'm sure everybody in yeah. their life does. You know, and it's a sad thing. So this film is looking at something like that, which is very similar to the first movie. You know, something that can break apart families and, and looking at it with this horror lens. And I think that's great. And right. it's the most like the first movie of any of them. And I, I appreciate that. And looking at it through the lens of addiction. Mm-hmm. And so spoiler alert for this movie, right? But there's kind of a twist of, so her boyfriend that she meets in a addiction support group, mm-hmm. turns out he's working with Goran Bijak. And so he's actually kind of marked her to to open the box and everything like it was all a ploy and then she chooses to at the end sacrifice him over saving her brother's boyfriend right yeah, so what saves does the brother's boyfriend to sacrifice her romantic partner because yeah this double-edged her. sword of recovery yeah i well, see what you're saying man. Too. it's like, crazy you know if you're you're if, if your partner or you know like your partner's with an addict or something like there's plenty of stories of them stealing from you know, their loved ones or their partner, like betraying them right. at the expense of the addiction. Right. And that's kind of what this guy does. Right. You know? And yeah. And when she, you know, when she shows up, she's drunk, she's kind of fell off the wagon and her brother. And this is something, you know, if you, if you have a family member or something mm-hmm. who's gone through addiction, like, you know what it's like, you've tried to help so many times at a certain point, you have to say, just get the fuck out of my house. Like you've messed up too many times, like get the fuck out. And that's what he does. Right. And then probably immediately regrets it afterwards, but also feels guilty, but yeah. feels like, Oh, you kind of did this to yourself, but I, I still feel guilty because you're, you're someone I yes. care about. Right. Family. Yeah. It, it tears you apart. Again, yeah. it, it, maybe, maybe some of the, the sexual BDSM stuff is uncomfortable for certain people who are sensitive to that proclivity. This is another kind of sensitive topic that the movie is having you. Hey, take a look at this. Think about it. I know it's hard, but think about it, you know? And, uh, yeah, that's what Hellraiser does when it's at its best. Right. And this is a return yes. to that. This yeah. is the best, I would say. I truly enjoyed this even more than the original films. And let me ask you guys, if you tricked someone into solving a Rubik's Cube for you six times, and then you got a wish, and you said your wish out loud in Zelda style, like, <laughs> do-do-do-do-do, an item drops from the heaven in a slow-moving, like, typewriter golden typewriter mm-hmm. like comes down would you be like yeah okay this makes sense oh it's going in me ah! yeah <laughs> yep right so you wish for the ultimate pleasure right and then your reward is a machine inside your body a that machine. is pulling all your nerves all continuously so you have so that, you co- feel constant pain but mm-hmm. but jacob as it's lowering i'd be like oh does this thing like suck my dick <laughs> like, I, like yeah what is this am thing? i supposed yeah. to like 
this is like a this is like the Leviathan's fleshlight. Okay, yep, yeah, that totally makes sense. Oh, what's that? It's going in my spine. That's not good. Uh-oh. No, yeah, go. I thought I, I thought I saw that right. banana cleaner on TikTok. Hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> This is not that. Um, yeah. Right. And again, that's the whole thing. Deal with the devil, right? Monkey's paw. Be careful what you wish for. You just might get yeah. it. And the, never a good outcome. Mike. No. I, and it would never happen to me because I know looking at these monsters, I'd be like, I know what you think is pleasure is gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would I would never fall for the trick. I'd be like, I'm not putting I did needles see, in uh, my face. Someone no. on Twitter wrote like, is Hellraiser like the easiest horror situation to avoid yeah. in real life? Just don't. <laughs> touch the box right yeah don't make a deal with these demons yeah Yeah. i love puzzles they would they would get me on the puzzle but i after that i'd be like you're not i'm not for this though like this is a cool puzzle oh what's this it it cut me oh no my my hand's bleeding yeah yeah and then it's too late and as soon as it starts just put a disclaimer with the box be like hey man i might be fucked but like don't let anybody open this right well that's what's funny is this whole incident is like they were trying to hide the box they literally broke into a warehouse and stole it. So they kind of have it coming, right? Yeah. Right. Which that's yeah. part of the plan is he's like, I know my girlfriend's an addict. The billionaire guy's like, you know where it is. Just act like it's this heist. You're going to get money. So he does it, set her right. up. But yeah. uh, in theory, when you're presented, it's like, yeah, they just try to hide it away in a state sale. That's what the lawyer thought she was doing. She didn't know about the plot. And she ends up ultimately becoming a victim of it, too, just because right. she's in the vicinity of someone with a very dangerous uh, proclivity. The billionaire, yeah. right? Just because she's in the periphery of that, it affects her life. Again, similar to the themes that I pointed out earlier. Uh, totally. Good Good and competent. So ultimately, now, yes, I thought this movie was very good. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to highlight, it probably is the most effective use of the Cenobites in any of these movies. Yeah. And, and Mike, They're more let, me, let me just real quick say the impressive nature of that to go, um, you know, maybe 2021, I think, was the Child's Play remake. 2022, we talked about Leatherface. We got a Leatherface movie this year. We got uh, we got this movie, a Hellraiser movie this year. Mm-hmm. We have a Halloween movie coming, coming out this up. year in 2022 where That's literally right. everybody goes, okay, the focus will be take the main thing, put it as forward as possible. Put as much Leatherface and the old lady in there. Put as much Michael and the old lady in there. Put mm-hmm. as much as little Chucky in there. And this, to have the constraint to go like, Actually, it's the story of Hellraiser. We don't need to be pinhead forward is very impressive to me. Yeah, they yeah. understood the assignment, you know, which well, none it's like franchise did through the 80s until 2018. The assignment yeah. is not get pinhead in the frame as much as possible. No, most most of the sequels were just like. Oh, and, and Pinhead will show up like the mascot of Hellraiser for like yeah. five minutes. <laughs> this movie, it's like, first of all, Read I love the the designs of these new Cenobites were great. I love They've never looked the leather's gone, Jacob. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. It's yeah. more of the physical. I mean, it's a full Flesh. body makeup jog in 2022. That's they really all went, went all out practical laying of the skin and the pins. And the one everything. lady has a hat that's like made of her neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the woman the from the first movie just has her neck yes. open, but it's yes. more yes. ornate. Yes. Again, yeah. as these kind of... Uh, 
you know, monuments, these visions, these art pieces of, of pain, like I've embraced this look upon me, right? And it's fucking disturbing. I don't want to be that, but like, I appreciate that you're into it. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me and alone. is Butterball the one that gets sacrificed? He's kind of the heavier. Chatterer. Chatterer gets sacrificed. Oh, oh that's the Chatterer. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Chatterer. I don't think there's a Butterball in this one. Not in this um, one. Sure. And everybody's like... more androgynous in this too. All of the Cenobites are kind yes. of. But they really yeah. look like they're like otherworldly creatures or demons like they don't look all human and what i was impressed by is the individuality of each one and then they're still introducing them like they introduced one like in the third act that hadn't appeared before and he's like this guy yeah. with like half his head missing or something i'm yes. like this guy's dope where this guy comes from like yeah. or something right there's like yeah. a blind one with this all the skin is pulled over their face it's wild yeah and final shot Again, spoiler alert, I don't know how you haven't heard that at this point, mm-hmm. but we see the birth of a new Cenobite. Yeah. So Which we is see similar Gorin. to number two. So we're getting the best parts of the lore all in one. Totally. So the and so that's his ultimate prize. So he's like, take it back. I don't want this thing in my chest or whatever. Like, oh, so you want to be a Cenobite. Like the Leviathan sucks. Like he's not listening. No. <laughs> no. He didn't learn his lesson. Uh, but what now he's power. a Cenobite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's very similar to the power. doctor. He kind of, yeah, he becomes ascended and it's almost angelic. It's a white light. And he almost feels like, almost, it feels yeah. like pain pleasure. He almost feels euphoric in that after his skin is flayed. He's like consigned yeah, he himself. turned into an angel. Much like all the other cinema, they, they, they've accepted this is what I've become, much like Pinhead. He forgot his humanity. And once you embrace it, you just kind of say, hey, let's go take some souls. You know, you, you buy totally. into the corporate, you know, pitch. Yeah, I'd love to be a Cenobite. That sounds I great. Hey, please that. don't even say it out loud, dog. The Leviathan is going to Oh, I've got you. this puzzle box. You want to try I, it, maybe? I would never. I would, I would never. never fuck with that thing. No, I mean, I'm with you, Colin. Like, I know you but like fuck. the 12th configuration is like I push it together and I open it up and like real jigsaw pieces come out. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. it's like like that's the last form of it. I want to <laughs> give Hellraiser the series credit because we did say like yeah, it's the easiest one to avoid. But it is fascinating yeah. that it's like one of the few horror villains or, you know, groups of villains that you can kind of like reason with. Like even in the first film, we can have a conversation with them. Like, yeah. look, yo, like I didn't realize I was opening this thing. I didn't know the terms yeah. and conditions. What if I get you other souls? Is that okay? And they're like, hmm. They're pretty that open. Is acceptable. Yeah. You know? the, the deal with the devil. And Mike, just even beyond what you're saying, I, I watched a couple parody things. I watched the Rick and Morty uh, Cenobite episode. Mm. Okay. And then I watched a movie that I've watched too many times, Stan Helsing, which oh, is sort of no. like from you know the later scary movie guys. But they have, of course, Dart Face Head, who is a guy who has a bunch of darts in his head. Sure. Um, Clever. The imagery is easy, Mike, to not only parody, but to just pick up on of, I think you can do these quick cuts in something like Ready Player One or something where it's like, there's the cube and Mm -hmm. you can do a quick cut of somebody pushing it and then see black leathered pale face people. And as a kid, just be scared like that, that, you know, it doesn't have there's really no context you need other than to be like, oh, that's those are like either aliens or ghosts or whatever. I don't want to be dealing with there's chains and crazy shit. Yeah, they they, they're very effective. They love to they love to pull you apart with chains. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's something we get that. Or even your little mouth can just be left talking like, (laughs) oh, no, no, man. (laughs) Right. But Mike, what you were saying, like that's what this movie nailed that all the sequels don't get. Like, again, the Cenobites aren't overtly evil. You make a pact with them. 
you can, you know, try to bargain with them. They're, they're not, not opposed for a two for one, you know, you know? Yeah. No. sweeten the pot. They're like, yeah, fuck it. You yes. can go. Yeah. <laughs> right. I like that about even um, the revelation of killing the chatterer. They're like, yeah, that makes sense to us. Counts. Like, yep. Oh, counts. Know you can do that. But sure. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Ben Ed. Yep. Thanks um, for giving us that one. It was a W. I, yeah, think, I uh, thought this, go ahead. This movie works really well. The only nitpicks I would say is that, um, I don't know. The pacing had, Sometimes I wasn't, I was like, uh, this could be tightened a little bit. Like in it's the not third a dynamic. Like the I think it's the longest yeah. of all of them at two hours. Yeah. Mm. There is a moment where literally Goran Vizek goes, and of course I've turned my house into a trap that can hold the Cenobites where you're just like, <laughs> like, let's, right. like, we, we can go ahead and just wrap this up because you're introducing stuff that I don't even want to know about. 13 goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It felt a lot like that at the end, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if you're a billionaire who's had this fucking... Or you've been fascinated by these guys, it, it made sense for the character. It's just the pacing should have been maybe a little yeah. snappier because it makes we sense. We just got to get like, through it. How do I... Because he, he ultimately wants to be like, get this thing out of my body. So the fact that he's been obsessed with this for years and been trapping people to study it. Like, yeah, he, you know, he, he built a cage so he could ultimately win in his eyes. Yes. It doesn't really work out. Yes. Um, yeah. But definitely a very strong entry. I think what it does well is... It takes all the things that worked in number one and two and maybe bits of four and then just distills them into kind of the best versions of like, how, how does this, how do you become a Cenobite? All right, well, let's have that in here. What is the box? How does it really work? Because we've never explored right. that, right? Cenobites, yeah. make them look better with the best practical effects we've ever seen them look as. Like, Easy. Yeah. yeah. They knock it out it's of the park. It's the essence of, yeah, what, what, what made the original great, what made the original novella great and they're taking it's not a direct remake it's not a reboot really it could be a continuing movie in the series it's just it's like a really mm-hmm. yeah, yeah just a really good hellraiser movie my yeah. final thought with this film in particular is is exactly what you said i everyone was saying oh reimagining of, of clive barker's original i'm like all right so we're gonna get a Frank character and a Julian right. character, and we're going to do oh, it, it was again. a completely different plot. I was than so pleasantly surprised that it was. Yeah, that. yeah, that was the right decision for sure. I think. Yeah, yeah. Texas Chainsaw tried this in their 2022 version of like, well, it's about a town that's being gentrified by millennials. Leatherface doesn't like that, which is a little bit like the original, where the meat industry's out. There's no gasoline. Sure. We're having all this stuff. They're trying to do the themes. They just went too hard with the gore, which is never a part of the original. Too much Leatherface. This Leatherface yeah. hates gentrification. Yeah. Well, I mean, the family hates change in their town in the original. Like that's part uh, of the theme, right? Um, they lost their jobs and shit due to automation, whatever. This actually successfully does what they tried to do with Texas Chainsaw 2022. I'd mm. say. Um, mm-hmm. So good job. That's it for me on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I was ranking the series overall, this would be definitely top two with. The original top three would we don't be, have to rank them all. Let's look at the top three to five because there's a lot. This trumps the original for me, like I said. Yeah, this is for me. Yeah, it's, it's the original. This one, number two, are the the good ones. Three is worth watching if you want to watch a bad fun horror movie, and then the rest throw them in the garbage. Basically, yeah. yeah. yeah it, I'd say number one is required viewing. This is my second favorite. Number two is. Highly recommended optional viewing. And after that, like, they're only, if you're into it, then watch four and then three and throw the rest in the garbage. Mm. You only have to watch one, two, three, and four and this one. And I would put four over three. Uh, Three is like, if you really want to get the camp, because four at least has to do with the lore. Yeah, four goes more to the lore. Three is just like, let's make a... Has nothing to do with the lore. 
Yeah. Let's just make a horror movie, but have Cenobites doing yeah, stuff in it. One, yeah. two, 20, 22, and four. Those are the ones to deal with the lore of the Cenobites and, and the world. Watch those, yeah. throw the rest in the trash. And then watch Hell- Hellraiser Hell World to see a young Henry Cavill get a blowjob. <laughs> That's one you put <laughs> you on at your Halloween party because oh. no one's going to pay attention. That's what that one's for. Right. Yeah. I'll do it just because of what you said he's getting. <laughs> let's, let's give our final thoughts then on this whole franchise and jump over here. And then I believe we might even be solving the Jacob configuration of a puzzle <laughs> maybe coming up to. Oh, no. That's right. Have we learned nothing? Ready. We're back. We're wrapping things up here on Hellraiser. Normies like us. Uh, now, we're going to give our final thoughts on the franchise, but I've been playing with that Rubik's Cube this entire episode, and it cut me pretty bad. Oh, no. And it did make Jacob appear before us, <laughs> kind of in like a strappy, leathery outfit. The Jacob bite. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Trying to go to hell? I've got, oh, what sites I have to show you. Oh, no. oh, wow. <laughs> so I've got a short little trivia game, you might call it. Uh, and I think this will be fun. This is uh, related to Hellraiser, but not specifically. Like, you don't need to watch all the movies to answer it. So got it. it's basically one question with, with five answers. And I want to see if you guys can <laughs> get them all. And should we have you, like, buzz in? Or, or is this as or a do team? Can we find yeah, all... Are we like, team? Will our souls be saved if we solve the puzzle? You want a team, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or you can play against each other. Let's can sacrifice together one to try to, to be, survive. Yeah. Or I'll show you Yeah, we're bus. trying we'll to... See. We'll get so many guesses, I guess. Should we get, like, uh, yeah, like a set number I'd of guesses if we don't get them? You can them. guess as much as you want, maybe. Oh, because okay. I don't know if you're going to get them all, but let me read the question. We'll see, yeah. we'll see what you think. So, <clears throat> I call this... The Jacob configuration. Hey. Uh, so Doug Bradley famously played Pinhead, right? In the first eight movies of the series. Uh, he Doug Bradley is one of only six actors to play the same horror character at least six ah, consecutive times. Boy. Six consecutive times. Okay. Can you name the other five? Wow. Now, Some of these I think are going to be easy. Some... I, I'll be very impressed if you get all five. I'll say that. Well, it, this is going to tie into my final thoughts. I've got my first guess here, Mike. The yeah. franchise that I have kind of been watching in the background, like Jacob has been doing with this franchise, is Chucky. I'm going to guess Brad Dorif voicing Charles Lee Ray is on that list. That is correct. Nice. Brad Dorif hey. is. I think one that's of the five. like six. I think that's maybe six movies. Yeah. So and now, so, of course, yeah. a TV show. And then I'll take a stab at one. And then as Go long as we it. don't get it wrong six times, we won't reach Leviathan, I think. Right? <laughs> That's so right. I have one that I'm thinking. The puzzle has shifted, Mike. I, I, I can't type to look how many movies there are, but I'm trying I'm trying really hard mm. to think of... Um, keep in mind, it's six consecutive times. I don't know if that matters. That's, that is the wild part. And just yeah. that many. Yeah. Six consecutive. So you guys can just like name them. If you well, I mean, it's got to be... Yeah. There's some obvious ones. Elm Street, right? Robert England, that's Boom. correct. So we got two. Freddy. All right. It's got to be Freddy. Three to go. Of three course. to go. Freddy, those are, I would argue, we know it's not Jason because there's been ones. a million of those. Those are the two big and ones, yeah. We know it's not Michael because Michael's always just like a goon. It's, <laughs> it's a guy. not Michael. It's not Jason. I'll tell you that. I have Different a hunch, actors. but I'm not sure if there's been six, but it's your, it's your go, Colin. I don't want to. 
Well, we talked about um, Gunner. What was his name, Mike? From, from Gunner Hanson. Leatherface. There's never been that and many. N- it never happened. Always changing. So, no. boy. I had to do a guess here. Horror movies. Same. Um, I'll do an old school. Same do character like a, or does it have to be the villain? Same character, I think. Oh, I can be a hero. How, how about like a a Bella Lugosi Dracula? You're in the right direction, Colin. There is an old school one. It's not Bella Lugosi, but you're okay. you're in the ballpark okay. Okay. there on that one. I've got my second one then after Mike. I've, okay. I've got my one. I think it is. Though. This is I, I I can't remember the actor's name, but am I allowed to say the character of uh, Yeah Jigsaw? Has there been six of those? That oh, is done that. one of them. That's Mike Bell Bell We're playing Family Feud Jigsaw. right now. I just we're doing realized. it. We're Mike, family. It's family answer. Feud format. Good answer. Yeah. All right. Got Tobin Bell on the board. <laughs> Tobin Bell. Do you want to play a game, Mike? Yeah, Great Tobin answer. Bell. There we go. All right. Oh, That's right. So you've got two three of the five. You've got wow. Robert okay. England, Brad Dorif, Tobin Shit. Bell. There's two left. One of them, I'll say, is an old school one, Colin, like you were thinking. One okay. of them, a little bit newer, I think 80s, 90s. Here's my guess for the old school. Okay. I'm going to stick in the Dracula territory and say a Christopher Lee Dracula. That is. The fourth one, Christopher ding, ding, ding. Lee, Count oh, Dracula. Man, on. Show me Christopher Lee. Ding. Oh, what? Correct. Good job. I didn't know if you guys were going to get that one. This is fucking hard from here on. There's out. one Thank more. You. and <sighs> Yeah, this one's tricky. I don't know if you're going to think of it. You can oh. see the era already, mm. Jacob? Yeah, I think like Roughly. 80s, 90s was most of them. Maybe not. I think too, 90s. Man. Yeah. Okay. Oh, um, um, oh. The voice of Ghostface. No, no, that's not uh, on my list. I don't know if that. Um, sure. I guess because there's only well, there's five screen movies or there's six. Now, movies. now there are five. And if he at right. least did the phone part, so he needs six, right? If if he's yeah, if he's in the new one, it would yeah. But who knows if it even will be? Yeah, yeah. We both got us a strike. But that Colin. is not the last. That one. would have been my guess, Mike. That was a really good guess. <sighs> okay. Okay. Fuck. Okay, do we get, let's say one more X, because we've got two Xs on the board. Yeah, right now. So let's, let's do think, a Family okay, Feud what style. Okay. Recent-ish franchises have at least six movies. You've got, and in a Family Feud, you've got you've got the four yeah. top ones, I think. The last yes. one is like the one okay. that like, two people Okay, and let's about. agree on this, Mike. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's get so this. we can talk this one out. It's We're in a not, little puddle. It's, it's not um, Arnold Vizlou, who plays Imhotep in the Mummy series. They only not make enough. three of those, where, or two of those, where he's he's in. Um I want to give you a hint, but it might be might make it too high. It might be it too close if you do. Yeah, let me let me yeah. let me go here. I'm trying to think Fuck. what has oh. had that many movies. Crypt Keeper, there aren't movies, right? Mm. Don't think so. I don't think there's been that many. You think like Christine, the car? There's not sequels. You think Is of there something, something like with the Annabelle universe where there's oh. enough tie-in? <laughs> Wait, there's nobody voices Annabelle though. <laughs> <laughs> the fake doll. Um, no, I think we're a little earlier than that. Think Insidious about or something. Yeah, I don't horror know. franchises that have a lot of installments. You've done your flashers, your Freddy Kruegers, and, but this gets us into like Pumpkinhead territory, where I'm like, does someone voice Pumpkinhead? No, not that many of those. Samara Six from from though, no. The Ring. You know, uh, there's not that many. Fuck five consecutive. This is this is such Jacob. This is great. We're so close with Scream. All right, six consecutive. That was such a good guess, dude. That's a good guess. Wait till later when the movie comes out. (laughs) Do you have another guess? 
I want to. If not, okay. I can give you, my skin make another guess, part. then I'll okay. give you a hint, which might give it away. So, I'll guess first. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a guess, and this is this is maybe gonna be our our blows on the line. I'm gonna say, I think his name is Ezekiel from Children of the Corn. Ooh, no. All right. I'll give you a hint. Give me a hint. I think this okay. probably is going to give it away, but Jennifer Aniston. Oh, Warwick Davis as the leprechaun. Warwick Davis. Oh, the leprechaun. So the Good final answer is got Doug Bradley, you have Christopher Lee, you have Robert Englund, Warwick Davis, Brad Dorif, and Tobin Bell. We were so close, wow. I wouldn't have gotten Saw. That was a great one too, Mike. I wouldn't have gotten Leprechaun because I've only seen like one of those, and I forget that it's yeah. always Warwick Davis, except for one if time when Joe it was, was here. Oh, Joe, Joe just watched all it. those fucking Leprechauns. Remember? He would have nailed it. Yeah, I don't oh. think I would have. I never would have guessed Christopher Lee. I don't. No, that saved. Yeah, I'm a Hammer Horror boy. Watching nice. those with Randy Brooks, I know that he has played Dracula so many times. Nice. <laughs> is too much unfortunately we did get our three strikes and our souls are uh damned to eternal uh, <laughs> that's right pain so i guess i'm gonna be turning about... you into centibites now yeah, right so, so choose like choose <laughs> well and what choose kind the of object you want to like? be merged yes exactly yeah so i yeah so my name is monitor face i have a big monitor for a face <laughs> sure sure <laughs> yep yep but also like my nipples are out and like oh, like wait. really red of course yeah, that's um, like a prerequisite of being a centipede. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I'll go first because again, my feelings are kind of out there the most. Of this is not the franchise for me. I'm sorry to say that. Is that a subject I matter thing? It's just kind of it's little sensitivity. It, You're just not into it, right? It's a tone. It's a sensitivity. It is a subject matter. Although I do think there are the ones that obviously do lean towards the positivity of consent and that you know they're not they're not making a mockery of snm or something and sometimes not, they are it's not exploitative necessarily yes. it's just uncomfortable yeah yeah i think there is a reason that the the ones we're kind of talking about this year are the ones that i seem to be gravitating towards the Leatherface, the pinhead the chucky um there's a reason they're not the big three, you know, that they are not the Michael, the the Freddy and the Jason who mm-hmm. who do stand the test of time. And it's not even just because of the production backing. I think they just never lost their audience. And I just I, I really hate to see a franchise that loses themselves by losing their audience like like Pinhead did. And uh, I don't know where Hellraiser goes from here because I certainly haven't seen uh, this new film be a success in the way that Prey was, where you really mm. felt tangibly like everyone in your life was tuning into Hulu for like the first time ever. Yeah. And, like I've, talking uh, to you about it. Yeah, it definitely has, doesn't have the word of mouth of Prey. I've yeah. heard some people, some mutual friends that we know saying, oh, I love Hellraiser. Our friend Alex Taylor, he's been on the podcast before. He's a big horror fan. He he mm. liked Hel- the new Hellraiser. Amazing. So. Yeah, there's definitely people that are out there putting in there the There is the the film Twitter clapback I seem to see was it feels like Clive Barker would like this movie. And I think that's all it really needs to be. Um mm-hmm. right. Uh, again, in horror I don't I don't know about Clive Barker. I don't know if he's a gay man or what, but having watched all this Don Mancini Chucky stuff where he is an out and proud gay man mm-hmm. who's in charge of a horror franchise. It's, you know, I'm just, I feel very sensitive to how horror allows outside people or alternative people to tell stories um, 
in ways that society reject. And obviously that is the story of Hellraiser. And I want it to continue because of that. Again, even if it isn't for me. Hmm. Got it. Got it. I guess I'll jump in and then Jacob, because this was your idea, uh, you can round it out. Uh, didn't know a lot about this franchise except for the first movie and Cinebites were cool. Um, and I think it's at <laughs> now an best. expert. <laughs> now I'm an expert. I watched all of them, including the bad ones. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Not doing that again. But I think we found uh, what makes a good one. And it's when it's a cautionary tale about a person's personal desires overriding, let's say, their logic or their sense of um, uh, restraint. You know what I mean? Like, if you let that shit get out of control, it could ruin your life and the life of those around you. It's a big metaphor with a demon box and a lot of skin being flayed. But at its core, it's a cautionary tale about, you know, don't let your appetites uh, override your life, right? Whether Mm. that's drugs, sex, whatever, right? So I like that about them, these monkey paws tales. And I'm just glad that at least um, the new movie is addressing them in ways that none of the sequels have. And the only thing is... Like Texas Chainsaw, they're not about Pinhead, and that's what lost its way, right? It's about the characters kind of going on a journey uh, of self-discovery or whatever and trying to come out the other side. Um, So do that more and focus less on the Cenobites because they are not – they're part of a larger hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, Pinhead should be an ancillary character in your story, not not the main villain even really. Um, And that's why Jason, Freddy and Michael survive, because even when their franchises misuse them, it's still always kind of been, except for Michael and his first movie or Jason's first movie. It's always been about them. Right. Yeah. Hellraiser was never supposed to be about Pinhead. Texas Chainsaw was never supposed to be about Leatherface. And that's what all of the sequels would get wrong. Even if they just put Pinhead in in the last five minutes, it would still be about him in some way when that's never what the focus should have been. And that that's my take on the franchise. Watch one, two, 22 and four. Call it a day. Three if you're feeling frisky. Peace. Nice. Yeah, I, I agree with what a lot of you guys, you know, a lot of what you guys are saying. Um, for me, I really want to do this franchise because I liked the first movie and I wanted to rewatch it this year. And then I was like, you know what? I want to do the Halloween thing again. Let's do it with Hellraiser. Now, would I say this is a better or worse franchise overall than Halloween? I'd say it's kind of a wash because there's probably as many good Hellraiser movies as to me as there are good Halloween movies. Not that many of either. So, um mm-hmm. You know, would I rather watch, uh, you know, Halloween six again or one of these random straight to DVD sequels again? It's a watch for me because I'd rather watch neither. You know, well, you don't want to. (laughs) Six has got Loomis in it. Yeah. Again, (laughs) the world Mike and I pitched of Dr. Loomis coming to solve these mysteries. And now he's up against Pinhead. That's all. He's the Van Helsing. (laughs) Or no, Mike, he's into it. Actually, Leviathan, (laughs) I choose pleasure. Pure evil. (laughs) He's obsessed with it. He would open the box. That would be amazing. It's too bad he didn't. He wasn't in six movie, consecutive movies, I guess, because he could have made that list. No, poor, no because yeah, number three Donald had to ruin Pleasant. that for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn. Um, but yeah, with with this, uh, for me, it's like Hellraiser one and two, then the new one. I think the new one is better than two, but I'd still watch one and two back to back just for the cohesiveness of that. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd watch three because three again. I just think it's like a campy, fun horror movie. Um, four. I even don't like that one. Like it's. it's 
good to watch once to see like the space stuff and be like what what's happening but i probably wouldn't watch that again either i just like it because of the toy maker thing really just yeah. the 1800s storyline the rest of it could get jettisoned into the vacuum of space like it's just the toy yeah. maker 18th century stuff it goes more into the backstory um but again i think this new movie does that better so it's like everything mm-hmm. you need from the lore you can get from this new movie and i think they knocked it out of the park with this one you know i'm wearing my famous red shirt that i only wear when i'm reviewing into like, something good right so bangers. it was a banger yeah yeah bangers and mash um but yeah mm-hmm. really four movies that i would re-watch in this series about the same as halloween to me because it's for me halloween is like one three and the uh the rob zombie movies for me so <laughs> no, halloween kills <laughs> halloween kills baby evil dies tonight um that's so, right it's so, fucking blasphemy <laughs> i think there's a lot of conversation about you know taste because obviously i think the first movie in this is classic but it's a different type of franchise you know there's more gore yeah. it's a little bit more sensitive topic matter than than uh, babysitter stabbing which is still you know not great um but like i feel like um i would put the movies i like in halloween higher than the movies i like in this you know what i mean yeah. like i think it's yeah. fine but i lean more towards halloween and I lean more towards Texas Chainsaw than this right. subject matter because it does get uncomfortable sometimes. Like I, I can stomach it more or less, but I don't want to live parents. there. Yeah. Well, if somebody told me Hellraiser was their favorite franchise, I would have a preconceived notion about that person. I'd be like, oh, OK. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, I like it as a horror franchise over some of these like Friday the 13th, uh, mm. Halloween, because it's, it's not – yeah, and it's not just like a slasher. Like every Halloween at the end of the day is going to be boiled down to Michael Same Myers genre. going around killing a bunch of people, right? Formula. They don't do that much to twist the formula. This one, like, it could be anything. Just throw Pinhead in there and you're good. It's, right? completely, <laughs> it's completely its own thing, and I will give it a lot of credit for that, yes. much like I do with yeah. the first Texas It's not Chainsaw a traditional movie. slasher. Like the first movie is not a slasher. Like only like three people get killed in the in the first movie, right? It's not a slasher movie. And to me... I don't mind slasher movies. It's just if you're on the sixth, seventh, eighth movie in a franchise and it's still the same thing, then it's not going to hold my interest as much. Um, so I guess that's why, I mean, I, I don't know if I prefer this overall to Halloween, but definitely over, you know, Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, those kind of movies, I'll take, I'll take the original Hellraiser. It's doing its own thing, especially the original. Like I say, I take takes chainsaw over, you know, Halloween, Friday the 13th, the original, like just only the original film. And I think the original Hellraiser does have a, a place, not even in a franchise context. Yeah. It's doing its own thing. And for that, I think it's mandatory horror viewing franchise beyond that. It's up to you. But I think it's worth checking out for every horror fan. Totally. At the very least the original. And my second recommendation, the Hulu one, because I think it. Hulu. And I think two. I think one, two and Hulu. If you just want the bare bare bones, just watch those three. And, um, talk about and yeah, I would bones. still take the original Halloween over even the original Hellraiser because that's, you know, one of the greatest horror movies of all time. But yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, horror franchises are fun and it, even if they're bad, it is fun to watch every movie in the franchise. It is just, just to prove it to yourself that you can do it. Revelation. Yeah. I, I never had a bad time watching any of these. I was like, Oh yeah. Hellraiser. And again, I had, that, I had a bad time familiar. with revelations and judgment. I had a legitimately <laughs> bad time with that. The rest of them I uh, tolerated. Yeah. You could get nuggets of weirdness, but those two, right. not, but overall, when your horror Nothing. franchise is named Revelations, Mike, you're just setting yourself up to be like the worst one. <laughs> Revealed yeah. to me that you ran out of ideas. I yes. still don't think you can beat the, the bad title of 
Hellraiser Deader. I think that might be the no, worst. No, that's <laughs> ever, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, but that's Hellraiser franchise. Wow. Normies. Check out the Hulu movie. Check out the original. And, you know, have yourself some pleasure. Have yourself some pain. But yeah. if, if you had to guess, Jacob, a, a sequel to the Hulu movie, like what what is the rest of this? Where, where does it go from here? I, I would know. say I mean, just make more books or something, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. It could maybe have sequels that follow different characters or maybe the same main girl from this, but different supporting characters, something. I don't know. Or on Vizak is the lead Cenobite in the next movie. You know what I mean? Right. Doing the tempting. I just think the box changing hands. What's your pleasure? Like yeah. some random guy, it's homeless you guy, giving the it to you, that kind of vehicle. And if you yeah. do a series, I do think they would have like, to uh, do creep show. They'd something. have to do something original with it because the, this movie does such a good job of delving into that lore of the, configuration and everything they would need to then kind of do something else for the sequel i think it can't just be the same kind of like this a group is, gets the box and kind of goes through the same motions i'd like to see some kind of twist on that as well too right and we'd like to see him space or yeah yeah definitely yeah, in space go back to like, space yeah yeah they accidentally get the box and it kind of accidentally activates you'd have to have somebody who's like i know what this is and i fuck with it heavily and then he's doing the murdering which we've kind of seen before mm. so i don't really know where yeah. you go with yeah. it honestly i think we're rehashing at that yeah. point so but I would like to see these new Cenobites again and see the new pinhead, Jamie Clayton. I think she did a great job. Yeah, and I agree. They look great. Like, but like Leatherface isn't going to, or I'm sorry, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 is not going to get a sequel. Child's no. Play is not. It seems like the new move is to just reboot it, but then you just kind of, it's just the quick buck angle, huh? Like you, you're just making your money on that one and you just never have to deal with and it then, again. Yeah. Yeah. They might have another reboot. In- it's a different creative team. It's a totally different reboot. That's why this new Halloween trilogy is interesting because they actually made three movies all in yes. the same kind of plot with the same. And the scream. We'll see if they can kind of follow the same to just be like, we're our own thing, but also not. So, yeah, it's gonna, right. It's going to be interesting. And again, we'll we'll see how this Halloween ends turns out. You know, I mean, very fascinating. Evil dies tonight yeah Guys, right. next episode evil will be dying tonight next mm. week <laughs> i've waited for you michael yeah so my god over. week two done we did it hellraiser we did it with the franchise much like the box itself they should just leave it alone don't open it anymore like i think Let's you did good. It, yeah. much I like it's the new pinhead again but no it's te- jacob I know it's tempting. <laughs> you have the risk. Don't. I'm Resist impressed temptation. you walked away this time. Just it's like walk. everything is okay. Settle it. Put the yeah. pack of cigarettes down. Just walk away. You don't need it. You know, like it's okay. Right. It's okay. Yeah. It's hard, guys. Normies. All right. Um, as always, you can uh, write into us only if you solve a very specific puzzle that we have left you in this episode. Of mm-hmm. course, that's right. And when you, you solve. Were, uh, if you were playing along with our quiz and got all five, yes, us we, did. Yeah. right in we West will, Yeah, we will appear before you in our, <laughs> in our true forms if you've done that. And uh, yes. you can find us and comment and like and subscribe and do all that good stuff that helps this podcast grow um, at normies underscore like underscore us on all social media. Like I said, please rate, review, subscribe, check out the YouTube helps us out. It's a big deal. And keep following along all spook. Long as we keep doing awesome Halloween content. That's right. 
And just uh, check out the YouTube again. We're putting up the episodes on there. And uh, if you want to see our cine faces, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Otherwise, we've been your host. This is Colin the Chatterer. Chatting on the podcast. I would be probably a Cinebite called Feedback, and I would have a microphone for a mouth. Nice, nice. Oh yeah. man, what would I? He's so he's so loud. There's so much noise. Whatever yeah, it explodes me. your ears. But you kind of. Like I do it. want. Yeah, I want mine to be tied into some kind of medium that doesn't really exist anymore, like the '90s CD guy and stuff. Zip like if it could yes. be like DV tape or something. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah mini, if I was mini DV. Yeah. <laughs> if I was super direct to the Leviathan and wasn't like you know any of these like pussyfoot around. If I just said to him like I want two dicks would he be like okay <laughs> like that that follows into the rules of the centibite we won't mess with you we'll just give you that second dick <laughs> they'd like put them on you your hands or pleasure. something but they'd give it to yeah, you yeah that's what it, it would be like my eyes would be two <laughs> dicks kind of like, yeah. Like, yeah 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 that's how they roll <laughs> that's right. how we roll army thank you we'll catch you next week when halloween ends spooky season still going catch you next time bye 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 pain is pleasure <laughs> Pleasure is pain. My name is Gandalf the Grey, and I'm imploring you to leave a like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe. Don't take me as a conjurer of cheap tricks, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Normies Like Us. Fly, you fools!